This is Bro with the Bros, hosted by Ryan and Ken Parsons, founders of the Brothers That Just Do Gutters. Welcome to another episode of The Books That Built Us. We've made every mistake in the book, so you don't have to. Our time to evolve as business owners is now. Let's grow together. Today on this episode, we're talking about Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Uh, so great book. Uh, I've read it twice and then obviously getting ready for this, we get to review it. It's all about like deep changes start with yourself. You know, it gives you these seven habits and we'll, we'll go through uh, not each one, but we'll kind of go through them in, in groups. And, um, you know, can you discuss this statement a little bit? Like you can start deep changes start within yourself. Uh, that's for sure, especially if you want things to change in your life. And I think the first time that I had a um, one of the biggest paradigm shifts I think I had was probably not till I I decided not to go and pursue my career in teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably one of the biggest changes was to not pursue that and to go ahead and uh, get back into what I thought was construction, but was uh, the gutter business. And, uh, you know, that was a big shift uh, for me at that point in time. And I really didn't know all the changes that would have to be made. And the many times I'd have to change my paradigm over and over again, as I learned uh, what being in business for yourself meant, because being in business uh, for yourself especially if you want to be successful, there's a lot of things that I needed to change. <laughs> yeah. And I know, I know for you, like a lot of, um, a lot of the changes you wanted to make were very personal changes. Like in the beginning, you didn't love to go networking. You didn't necessarily always smile when you met somebody. You, you, you became very hyper aware of the things about you that you wanted to change that are typically things that you know, people might say, well, that is who I am. That's, I am who I am, you know, leave me alone. But you felt a big need to kind of really work on yourself in, in departments that I think a lot of people don't talk about that a little bit. Well, um, one of the things was, is I knew that, um, in order to be successful in business, one of the big parts of in our business, especially is interaction with people. Uh, Mm -hmm. because it's a high volume business. So it's not just going out there on a job site and working there for, you know, several days or weeks or months at a time, you know, you're constantly getting in front of different people all the time with our average job lasting anywhere between three and four hours. uh, You could be doing multiple jobs a day. And, you know, I, I quickly realized that it wasn't just something that I could just go to work every day and be successful. And, uh, I started to to have to pretty much get out of that comfort zone of um, you know of of who I I was uh, at, up until that time and to become uh, become different and and change and I needed to become one thing I realized right away is I needed to get better with my skills of interacting with people mm-hmm. and in the book it you know changed. In the book, the first, it starts out with yourself. You know, everything that you want to do in life, whatever it is that you want to accomplish, you have to start with you. And mm-hmm. I knew that me wasn't the person that I needed to be in order to be successful in business, especially uh, in this business where you're dealing with all types of different people and personalities uh, every time you knock on somebody's door. So, <laughs> um, you yeah, so that was that was definitely a big eye opener for me. We've seen this, and and for me, I've seen it um, on the on the personal and interpersonal side. You know, I felt like that's always been a strong suit of mine. I mean, I was never a, a student, but I loved school. I loved going. I loved socializing and being with everybody. Um, but just grades weren't my priority. Um, and then when it came to business, um, I was good at the networking, and I, I liked a lot of that interpersonal stuff. But I was really bad on the business side and even, you know, business intelligence and things like that. So having to change and develop all of that kind of stuff, uh, was, was, uh, you know, it was, it was huge. It was a big, uh, chunk of time over years of developing all that. And what's really cool is seeing it in our team members. You know, 
I'll pick on Kaylin because she gets to edit all this stuff so she can choose whether to keep it or not. But when she started, um, you know, she was basically fresh out of college and we threw her into some crazy situations early on, like, you know, came in doing social media and marketing and some photography and going out to job sites. And I think within two weeks, we had her like doing a training with the guys in the field. And I know she was petrified. She was literally like hyperventilating um, while she was going through this. But what was awesome is she knew that that's something that she had to work on. She threw herself in there anyway. And, um, and it was amazing. And to now see her get up in front of franchisees and, and do what she does and the amount of time that she spends in front of people for somebody who would have rather hit under a rock than do it. Um, it's awesome, you know, to see that and to see people that are actually working on themselves. She could have easily said, I'm not comfortable with that. It's not me. Get someone else to do it. And, you know, we would have figured it out. But for her to do that and make those personal changes, they're, they're painful. They're very painful. And uh, that was awesome. And it was, you know, it was, it's, it's been really cool to see uh, Kaylin's growth. And obviously we could go, you know, we've got Gabby and Danny and Job and Jimmy and Kevin and uh, Karen, and we can just keep going down the list. But I think it's important to note, we've had a lot of people that are on our staff for a long time and currently, and the common denominator are they, they, they work on themselves. And that's, it's really interesting. I don't know if it really hit me till now, but yeah, it, there's an obvious thread. People that have been here and moved up in the company, they actually work on themselves outside of work. Yeah. And what's cool about that is that if someone doesn't make those changes within themselves, they're not going to have the ability to be able to lead others to do so. And all the people that you've listed there and many more um, that we could add to that list for sure is uh, they, they've done the opposite of that. They've seen their, that, 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 that there's a certain thing that makes them uncomfortable, but they were able to overcome it. And mm. these people are now leading other people. And I think too, if we were to interview some of them, they probably would never even have expected to be where they're at even right now. And that's what I love about what we do in creating opportunity is uh, it's, it's, it's the same thing that we've done. Uh, we're not asking people to do something that we haven't done ourselves. And, and that's it. It's, and, and to be, you have to be that person. If you want to be a, a great leader and you want to have people following you, uh, you have to start with yourself. Yeah. And, and, uh, that's the bottom line. And if the more that you change, the more that you're going to be able to sell and, and give into others that are part of your organization. And yeah. that's the that's beginning. Good. And as a, a good leader and manager, I mean, it's our job to stretch our people too. You know, the day that they, that you hire somebody, you can't assume that three years from them, they'll only have the same skill set. Uh, that would be, that would be awful, you know? So it's kind of up to us as leaders to see something in them and, and say, all right, I know you're uncomfortable here, but you know, we're going to stretch just a little bit and you get them to stretch and grow. And uh, I know we're going to get a little bit into that later, but uh, I love that. So there's seven, uh, obviously this book, they make it real easy, you know, seven habits and we've got seven habits. So we're going to, um, I'm going to just tell you each habit first, and then we're going to just, you know, break it down, um, you know, in groups. So habit number one, be proactive. Habit number two, begin with the end in mind. Habit three, put first things first. Habit four, think win, win. Habit five, seek first to understand, then be understood. That one's, that one's awesome. Love that one. Habit six, synergize. And habit number seven, sharpening the saw. All right, so we're going to basically, the first three habits focus primarily on yourself. All right, so we're going to just kind of talk about this group of being proactive, begin with the end in mind, and putting first things first. Being proactive starts with you. Uh, focus on what you can control. And uh, that's it, you know, and it could be small little things and it could be uh, bigger things as you go. Um, you know, but you want to continue to con improve your abilities and your skills. And you got to be able to look at that in inside yourself and be able to say, okay, what is it that I need to, you know, reactive means that you're reacting all the time to things happening to you instead of 
being, being the opposite of that is being proactive and preparing yourself ahead of time to acquire the things that you need to, uh, to be successful. So one of the things that I did early on in business is that I knew that I needed to learn more about business because that's not what I went to school for. And I certainly didn't have people around me uh, to teach me about business and how to be successful at it. So, you know, I started reading all kinds of, uh, of books like The Seven Habits um, and, and many others that really helped me uh, to, to get ahead of the game skill-wise um, and behaviorally and also to define what it is that I wanted to get out of this thing, you know, and that's something that I think is hugely important in being proactive that you need to have a mission and uh, a reason why that you're doing yeah. something. Um, because if you don't and you don't have a mission, what happens is that you can get off course a lot of times. And we've all heard these sayings of, you know, down another rabbit hole or shiny lures that can distract us. Um, but being proactive helps you to stay focused and control uh, and, and uh, in, the same, in the direction that you envision uh, for your company to go in. Uh, so I think that that's really important um, uh, to do that. Yeah. And focusing on yourself, like, um, you know, we hear a lot, like our coach likes to talk about this. And I love this saying is like, you know, be the best version of yourself. And I love that. You know, we all have our good days, our bad days. You know, we handle situations well sometimes, poorly others. Um, when you're investing in yourself, it's, it's like, how do you, you know, become the best version of yourself? And I really like um, having a goal. And there's a lot of people that go wander through life and they say things like, oh, I'd love to meet somebody someday and fall in love. And I'd love to have a, you know, house or this. And they never do anything about it. You know, it could be as the smallest things are just like, you know, I'd love to go to college or I'd like to move out of my parents, whatever, whatever it is. Some people just never actually put a goal in front of them and other people do and they don't even know it, you know, that they're like, I'm going to meet somebody. I'm going to have a house someday. And what, what happens is when you're basically putting your life priorities first, your other priorities line up to it. So if you want to own a house, that means you have to have a job that provides enough to eventually get a house. Like all these little things. Uh, I really like that you have to be, you have to be working on yourself and then it's easier for those other things to kind of fall into place. Yeah. And another thing that a lot of people, especially now, you know, with, you know, we all have a tendency to uh, focus on things that we cannot control. Yeah. And that's a big one right there. You know, I can't control what's going on in the world today, but I certainly can control what's going on in my little circle of influence here and do the best that I can to focus on the things that are going to not only make a difference for me, but are also going to make a difference for the people that are impacted uh, by the decisions and the things and the behaviors and all the things that I've done on myself uh, that are going to impact the people in my circle of influence. And that's really going to further enlarge by doing that, that further enlarges your circle of influence to become bigger. Uh, yeah. And that's, that creates not just opportunity for myself, but it also creates opportunity for others when we have that mindset. Yeah. So there's this awesome quadrant in this book and it's called the time quadrant. And oh man, I am a lot of times awful at, at prioritizing, but you've got important and not important things that happen in our life and our business and our personal life. And we've got urgent and not urgent. So in the first quadrant, there's important and urgent. And so something that's important and urgent would be like a crying baby, a kitchen fire, certain phone calls, right? So these are things that need to be attended to rather quickly. Something that is not urgent would be exercise, you know, your job, you know, uh, planning, you know, maybe you're planning a vacation or you're planning, you know, your next business move. That's called not urgent, but it's important. And then you've got not important, but urgent, an interruption, you know, a text, a phone call, a distraction, just something that's just not urgent, but it, it grabs some of your attention. Uh, you know, it might be urgent, but it's not important. And then you've got not urgent. This is like trivial stuff, busy work, watching TV, entertainment, just little things that are just time wasters. They're not important and they're not urgent. 
But what's crazy is this says you have to focus on the important but not urgent. And I believe the only reason that Ken and I are where we are is because we learned how to focus on the not urgent but important. Franchising a business was not something we had to do out of urgency. It's something we wanted to do, but it was important to us. And it was, it basically took a lot of planning. It's not kind of like, hey, I'm going to go for a walk today. And you literally just go outside and you go for a walk. It's not something you can do immediately. And even like planning and exercise, exercise, it's important. But for a lot of us, oh crap, I can't go today. You know what? Something happened with the kids. Something that's not important pops up and takes priority. But what this book is telling us is if you want to get ahead, you need to focus on the not urgent but important stuff. That is huge. And one of the tools that you can use too that we've used very successfully is, 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 is having a system in place to where you're able to have uh, accountability in your team uh, to be able to review those things. And then, um, you know, especially with Stephen Covey's book, more, more, uh, more, more brains are better than one. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why we love franchising and the principles that we're talking about today is everything that we've learned uh, and a lot of the things we've learned out of this book. Um, but, you know, we, there's things called big rocks. Yeah. Everybody gets assigned big rocks. And there's a 90-day plan that each person on the team has. Imagine having a, a, a team of people that are all have their own plan that is specific to their department or to their skill set and what they're passionate about. And they're working on those things. Yeah. And what's awesome is that's not how my business started out. That's for sure. <laughs> I was the one that had to figure out all those things. And believe me, yeah. I didn't figure out half those things until we started assembling a team. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, th that's really powerful too, is when you can start having, you know, if it's just you, then start with you. And pretty soon as that vision continues to grow and you start to grow, more people will join uh, your vision for what you're wanting to do. And then you'll be able to share those big rocks and those plans uh, to hit your goals. So let's just break that down a little bit. I mean, in the beginning, you were talking about reactive versus, um, you know, proactive. And in the beginning, you know, the business was very reactive. You know, we reacted to the needs around us, uh, good or bad. And, um, you know, and that's how you start bad. a lot bad, but a lot good, you know, people call you, you react and go give them a quote and you go do the work. But what's interesting, if you want to start really small, so kind of what Ken's saying is, let's say you want to go on a vacation, you know, it's as simple as picking a date. All right. By August, I want, I want to go to, you know, the Caribbean. Okay. Wow. That's, that's an awesome goal. How am I going to get there? And then you just work your goals backwards. That's it. Well, I'm going to need $3,000 to do that. How am I going to get $3,000? Well, I'm going to have to work and save money. That's it. It's all it is. But when you're focusing and planning, it's important to you to go on that vacation. And now it's just working it back. And that's exactly what a 90-day plan is and a big rock. Like Ken's talking about, um, a big rock is something that takes time to achieve. Building a business takes time to achieve. Whether you're hiring your first uh, employee or building your sales department or you're replacing yourself um, with a GM. Everything takes a plan and whatever the goal is, whether it's a personal goal or a professional goal, you've got to start with the end in mind. And that's what this book really talks about. What's the end goal? It, what is it? And now just work it backwards. Um, so yeah, I, I love that. And the only way you're going to get ahead in life is you've got to spend time on the things that are important, but not urgent. I love that. Yeah. And the end in mind is going to change. It's, it's definitely changed over the last 21 yeah. years of being in this business. I didn't just all of a sudden open up a gutter a business and think that I'd have uh, locations uh, all in, in different States. Um, but you know, that will evolve over time. And what's cool is that, you know, you, you go down the path and you see where it takes you. Um, but when you have the principles that we're going to be talking about, and you start focusing on yourself and becoming a better version of yourself, which has become, I think I can speak for Ryan, it's become our personal mission statement. Um, and I think it's a great personal mi mission statement because it really, you know, it helps you when you're making a decision or a choice in life. You always have that ingrained and that becomes a habit. Is this yeah. the best version of myself? 
you know, is, is doing this or doing that the best version of myself. Um, and that's really helped me um, a lot. Um, and then also having a mission, uh, you know, beginning the end of mind of what you want to accomplish within your business. And ours happens to be, you know, is this reinventing contractor service? You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, under, under promise, under deliver uh, type of stuff going out there in construction in general. And for us, we didn't want to be that. We wanted to provide a five-star uh, service to people uh, of quality and uh, uh, a great experience of, and value. And mm -hmm. reinventing contractor service is not just something Ryan and I just do, but it's the, our whole team knows. If you were to ask, they know what that mission is. And they know that the end result that we're going to get as a result of that is that we're going to have raving fan customers that are going to, you know, just love to do business with the brothers just gutters. So, True. so I'd say, you know, in general, um, one of the biggest reasons that we love to like invest in yourself and it's going to spill over to your other people um, in your, in your organization. And this is true in anything. Like, I don't care if, you have no business um, mindset if you're just going through life, but let's just say you just watched a great show on Netflix and you, you marathoned the whole season. What happens? You go to work the next day or wherever you go and you're like, oh my gosh, I just watched you know, this show. It's amazing. And then somebody else might go watch it. It's the same thing when you're investing in yourself. When you read a book or you just are engrossed in that, you can't help but what, what, you know, what's in your heart comes out of your mouth. You know, so that's really important that when you're investing in yourself, you can't help but try and but but share with what's going on and what's really cool. You're you're gonna find other people that are investing in themselves because when you start to share, oh my gosh, I just you know I just read the 10x rule. You gotta read it. It's like they're gonna go, oh my gosh, I've been meaning to read that one, and then they go read it, and now you have a person that's like-minded, and then in your staff. And I tell you, books are one of the easiest ways to start speaking the same language. And, and the only reason that Ken and I have a great team is because we, we did do that first. Ken was the first one to really invest in himself. And eventually I started to because Ken was. And when I saw the benefits and then people saw the changes in Ken and changes in me, other people were able to do it. So the biggest reason to invest in yourself is because now you become a, a fountain for other people to come drink out of. I mean, I don't know if there's a better way to put it, but you, you now have something of value because you're investing in yourself and people will see that. And then, you know, we talk about leaders versus managers. That's a leader, somebody who invests in themselves and people want to, they want part of that. Um, so I think that's really also important. beginning with the end in mind, there's two different uh, forms of creation that exist there. You have to start with the mental creation, right? The mental creation started for, you know, brothers franchise back sometime in 2005 2006 where we started to mentally say you know what we really like this strategy we really like this business model uh because and there was a bunch of reasons of of you know we went through the pros and the cons of you know what does franchising look like and what does a corporate model look like mm -hmm. and we started to envision that and really we felt the values and and who we are uh it really aligned with what franchising and the philosophy and strategy of franchising uh, were. So that's the direction we moved in. And as we moved in that direction and that mental creation started to bear uh, fruition to the physical creation that we see mm. has happened here today of that business evolving from a little self-employed business that was all me, then to Ryan, then to <laughs> us becoming a, a small business corporation, and then from going to a small business corporation to going to a franchise. And that whole evolution happens also with us internally, personally. We yeah. have to do the work on ourselves uh, like we do on our business in ourselves to see the internal changes start to happening within myself to become the better version of myself. Mm -hmm. And then those external changes will manifest themselves in uh, a, a more successful and happier uh, version of myself as a result of all the hard work that I put in uh, to myself. And it all starts with, you know, what is it that I'm wanting to do and accomplish? And what does the end of that look like? Uh, and that helps you to work your way backwards too, uh, to fill in all the gaps that you need to get there. It's great. 
So, so the first three habits, focusing on yourself, and now the, the next three, four, five, and six, um, are primarily focusing on you know, people and relationships. So for review, number four is think win-win. Number five, seek first to understand, then be understood. And number six is synergize. That's so, huh? That's my favorite. Synergize or? Synergize. Oh, nice. Great. Um, so focusing on communication and perspective among others, right? You know, why is this important? It's all about organization and uh, prioritizing. And we touched a little bit about that earlier. Um, you know, and that's something that you can only do if you have a system in place for uh, doing that. And mm. a lot of times, well, in our business, when I first started out, <laughs> I was good at prioritizing my jobs and my tools and my truck and how neat and organized and, and that was. Um, but, you know, when it came to working on the things in the business, I had no clue how to prioritize all that. Mm. And, uh, you know, that was definitely took time. But, you know, looking back, I can say that the way you prioritize those things is that you, first of all, you have to make time and commit to those things in, in your calendar. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that I find in our industry and in all industries is people complain about not having enough people to do the work. There's no good help out there or whatever. Well, then the question becomes, you know, am I putting first things first when it comes to recruiting and interviewing people, you know, th throughout the week? Or maybe that's not the problem you have. Maybe there's other problems in your business that you have, but when the, there's a problem there, I need to be able to solve that problem by, by making time to do it. When, and, and when I do, and I put a, something in place to solve that problem, um, then, then it can be solved going forward. So um, yeah. you have to have that, um, you have to have a system in place to be able to get those um, things done. Yeah. And I love the idea of win-win. I mean, people talk about it. How do you have a win-win? And some people say there's no such thing. Someone always loses. Um, but to get a win-win, you basically have to drop your ego and pride. And if you're working on yourself, that's easier. But if you're thinking, I'm the boss, I'm the one who's in charge here, people should just listen to me, you're not going to ever have a win-win. You're not going to be able to seek to understand none of that, that stuff. Um, to have a win-win, you need integrity, sticking you know, with who you are. Your, your values, some maturity, you know, um, expressing your feelings with a balance of courage and consideration. And then this, this next one is, is like, this one's tough. Um, I find myself going back and forth. It's, it's, there's an abundance mentality, you know, life is no zero sum. There's plenty for all. And while I'm great with that, and I believe that when it comes down to kind of, um, sharing. So, so uh, I find myself in a, in a weird position sometimes, like we're part of these Facebook forums and there's a bunch of gutter guys that are not franchises on there. And they'll ask questions, you know, things that we could help them with that would, you know, even in the podcast, I find sometimes we might even not say exactly something because we're not, we don't want to give away the secret sauce. We don't want somebody to take our ideas and go do their, you know, build their own franchise or gutter empire. We kind of want to have a corner of the market there, but then you just remind yourself quickly, like, there's enough for everybody. Like, if I, you know, freely give, then we'll freely get. And it's, it's funny. I don't know, Ken, if you kind of, that goes in my mind. I filter things sometimes through, I don't want to tell them that. I'll tell them this. I'll be a little bit broad stroke here, but I'm not going to give them all the details. Like, do you find that that's a little bit tougher? I think it's a big problem in every industry. You know, one of the big ones in our industry is, you know, everybody's, you know, used to be, I think it's less now because of the internet, but you know, everybody was hiding their per foot price and didn't want anybody to know, you know, it's such a big secret, you know? Uh, but you know, it's, it's really, it, it, there is no secrets. It's all, you know, you know, rising tides can raise all ships. And if everybody's charging what we're worth, then we can actually change the industry. Uh, and I really think that, and if people are playing at the same playing field, and it's not really about price, uh, taking that as an example, um, and, and really promote value and really creating great uh, solutions to people's problems and really doing good, honest work. I think it's a win-win for everyone when you act that way. And there's more work 
uh, for everybody and may the best man win. But when people are just getting into it and they're, they're just going after a cash grab, there's no integrity there. And, and a business like that and a person like that is never going to be truly happy because money doesn't make you happy. It's the, it's, it's what, it's just a tool to help you uh, to navigate through this, uh, this world that we live in. Um, but how about how you go about doing it is really, you know, and the way that we look at business that's win-win is, you know, not, how can I make a difference in that, in solving that problem for that person and really feel good about it mm. and give them a fair market price, but also be able to create a great environment for people to work for me and be able to be profitable enough to be able to have people have a, uh, to make a, a good uh, living, you yep. know, and have a career uh, working for us and be able to impact the economy, not just, uh, you know, to the clients that we're providing our products and services to, but also to impact it locally as well with providing great jobs for people to come and work. And then they can go out and achieve whatever their personal goals is that they want to do. Maybe it's to buy a house, you know, that person's never going to be able to buy a house if you're paying them cash under the table, you know, they're never going to be able to buy, build up their credit score. Or they're not going to be able to go and get, obviously, if you're doing that, you, you you know, they're not going to have health insurance or be able to go afford doctors or, or get their teeth fixed or whatever it is that they want to do personally um, to achieve, go on vacation for a week or two. Yeah. Um, you know, it just, that's the kind of stuff that really, you know, makes a difference between yep. something that's win-lose or, or win-win. Yeah, no, it's great. So uh, abundance mentality. I love that. Um, and then the emotional bank account, I thought this was a really, really awesome um, that basically, you know, as leaders and, and, and people, we need to be made, we have, there's an emotional bank account that we have with people and people have with us. And basically, you know, um, it comes down to making deposits into people's emotional bank account. So for instance, telling somebody that their haircut looks great, you just made a deposit into their emotional bank account you know, offering them a ride when their car is in the shop, all these little things that we're putting deposits into people and it's building up the emotional bank account. And it's truly, you know, it's not because they work for you or because you want something for that from them. You know, we're, you know, hopefully this is in your nature. And if it's not, you know, then you're learning something. You're learning that you need to do that, put deposits into people's uh, emotional bank account. I, you know, it's a, it goes along with what we did in the podcast, another book review that we did a long time ago. Another way to say it too is to provide more value than you receive back in cash value. Um, and that's something that we live by in our, you know, Ryan and I are not driven by uh, money. Uh, it's, it's really, this business has been driven by uh, just leaving a legacy behind of being able to uh, be able to reinvent contractor services not just for uh, property owners, but also for people that work for us. And you know what? One of the biggest things that we really love is just seeing the success that uh, individual franchisees and their employees have mm -hmm. because of this, uh, because of this, because of what we've, yeah. crea what we've created. And I yeah. think that um, is, uh, is a big deal is uh, you're making deposits into people's uh, lives that yeah. are life-changing and yeah. to see those changes happening um right in front of your face and then them also being th so thankful for it too and that's there's nothing else that beats that and i and i love the idea of the the bank account it, at first it's like very transactional like you know you, you 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 make a deposit into their bank account so you can take a withdrawal so you can get something back but when you think about someone's emotional bank account and if you're putting deposits in there um you know, how awesome that when you have money in your bank account, you get to spend it. So if I'm depositing into somebody else, hopefully they're making deposits and spending that on other people. And yeah, sometimes, you know, we make a withdrawal or we make a mistake and that might offset like, you know, that was really crappy of Ryan to say that today. You know, he's really harsh in that meeting. What a jerk. But if I've made enough emotional, you know, uh, uh, good deposits into that bank account, hopefully I don't go into the negative with, you know, one bad moment, right? You know, we're all going to have a bad moment or a bad time, but hopefully, you know, when you watch your balance, it's still in the, still in the positive. So, 
I, you know, I, I like the idea of that um, a lot. So make sure that you're, you know, investing in your people in, in their emotional bank account. It's um, a lot of people say business is business and personal is personal. Keep your personal life at home. And Ken and I truly believe that business is personal. I, I don't understand how anyone can do it any other way. And if you are, if you're able to separate all that, then you've got a bunch of robots in your business. There's stagnant. I can't imagine any sort of culture if it's like nobody ever talks about anything personal. You don't ask about their family, how things are going. I mean, how in the world do you do that? I just, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Maybe that's, you know, how a lot of other businesses work, but don't make sense to me. So habit number five, this is one of my favorites. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. That was a big one for me to overcome. Uh, had a lot of, lot of uh, changing that had to go on there. I've, I was a pretty, could, could be a very opinionated person back in the day. And uh, even finishing people's sentences before they were done talking uh, type of person when uh, I would get myself going, uh, depending on the topic. Uh, but, you know, one of the, the most important things to do is to be a, to, to, to learn how to be a good listener. And uh, I've read enough books now to know that I need to keep my mouth shut and wait <laughs> until people, you know, and even in meetings now uh, to where, you know, I wanted to be the guy. Um, I really feel it's a night and day difference for myself personally, where I just take a back seat and listen to what everybody else says. And you know what most of the time happens? Whatever idea I thought that I could contribute to the group, somebody else contributes to it. And I don't even have to say it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I pretty much rarely give too much, too much input. And, and one of the things in a meeting I almost have, I have a rule is, uh, you know, maybe I'll say one thing or two at the most, but I won't say more than that. Um, so, you know, listening to people is super important. That was something that I need to work hard on, especially in the beginning, um, because I, I, didn't, I didn't win every job that I went on, and none of us ever do, but my close rate wasn't where it needed to be, especially, you know, as I transitioned out of the field and into sales. Um, I started learning that, you know, not everybody beats to the same drum that I do and has the same, um, you know, way of, of taking in information uh, and that there's definitely different personality styles out there. So I, there was a lot of refinement that had to go on to mm -hmm. take my personality, which can be straightforward, black and white and in your face to where um, I needed to soften that a lot. Yeah. And, you know, that's all, you know, all these, these habits four, five and six have to do with uh, relationships and yep. people. And if I don't learn how to be good and develop myself into a people person, then I'm going, I'm not going to have um, a very large, large business. No, that's good. And Covey says there's four levels uh, of listening, ignoring, that's a level of listening. So ignoring, pretending to listen, attentive listening, and empath empathetic listening. So obviously we know what ignoring is. I don't even know how that is on the list of listening, but we know what ignoring is. Pretending to listen, I am so freaking guilty of that. I've even done it on, like I've probably even done it on this podcast. You know, I'll ask you a question and I'm gonna nod my head and I'm gonna look for the next part we're going. Um, you know, it's, it's I think- worry, I'm used to it from you. <laughs> I think everyone does it. You just, you know, you're going to wait your turn to speak. Um, and that's definitely something I've had to work on. Um, when I think back to, you know, when we used to do meetings and I'd run meetings in the past, it makes me cringe that I probably talked the entire time, didn't give room for people to have their own ideas. And, and there's a great book called Multipliers out there where you can actually be diminishing your staff because, you know, you're the smartest one in the room. And I put up air quotes there because... You know, I'm definitely not, but um, yeah, it's huge. And then there's attentive listening and empathetic listening. And what I really liked about empathetic listening is you're, you're listening and you're, tr you're literally trying to put yourself in their shoes. 
And um, we basically all see the world through our own window pane. Whatever our experiences are to date, however we, we shaped our opinions, our values, everything about it. So somebody could be saying, oh, I, you know, oh, I, I, I was late for work today, you know, because I got stuck behind a bus. And I'm thinking, well, you probably stayed up too late and you didn't get up early enough and you should have filled up your car yesterday. There's no reason for it. I'm automatically just running their situation through my, my set of values and window pane. So I'm not putting myself in their shoes. And that to me is like, that's probably the hardest thing to overcome is to truly understand where somebody's coming from and putting them. But if you really want to understand some, somebody, and that's the key right here. I don't think most of us really want to understand anybody. We're all genuinely selfish. We're waiting for our turns to talk. And we're assuming we know everything about the other person. And there's nothing new. It's crazy, but we all do it. Yeah. But so I've had the um, privilege of meeting a few different um, people. Uh, there was this lady, uh, Judy Burns, and uh, she would just make you feel like the most interesting person in the world. She would ask questions and just, oh, what about that in your business? I saw your truck the other day. Now, who did that logo? Who came up with that? And it's like, she would just get you down this rabbit hole. I would leave that conversation with Judy Burns thinking, oh my gosh, that was awesome. And then it hit me after a while. I'm like, this, I never asked this lady anything. I don't know anything about her. I am a jerk. Like I just get so involved because she just, you know, asks me great questions that keep me going. And that's awesome. And another one is Brian Altman, unbelievable listener, always asks about the family. And I'm like, it took me a while to realize I don't ask him hardly anything and it's not necessarily because I'm not curious. It's just there, some people are so good at engaging you that you forget that they're even, you know, that they've got a life and a business and things that you could be asking them about. It's crazy. All right. So the, the last one on, um, you know, th this particular section, and you said it was your favorite. So focusing on people and relationships, synergize, habit number six, go for it. So basically synergize is when you're working together as a team and the whole philosophy behind that is a, a team is stronger than one individual and having you know played sports growing up and in, in uh, high school and college and uh it's it definitely um that kind of mentality has been great ingrained within me um i've always been a a, a team player and i've always performed better uh with other people and um that's something that just naturally uh, is a strength for me uh, to assemble a team, to recruit, to train, to uh, work together with other people. Um, but having a group of people to work with is, is enjoyable, especially when everybody's in the zone. Mm. When I look, when I think of teams that were in that, in the zone, uh, over, you know, the course of my life that I've got, you know, had the privilege to watch and listen. I always think of the Chicago Bulls, even though they were my nemesis because I was a Knicks fan, <laughs> um, that they would, uh, Michael Jordan be always be the one to stop the Knicks from winning. But, you know, even though he was the star, uh, he was able to synergize with the rest of the guys on that team. And there's no way that Michael Jordan could have won all six of those championships if he didn't have, uh, a Scotty Pippen uh, or uh, uh, Scott Kerr or whatever, uh, uh, um, even Dennis Rodman and, and the other people that were on the team. It's going back a ways now to remember them all. Um, uh, but anyway, the, and that's what I feel like that uh, we've created here at Brothers Gutters. And I love the synergy that we have, not just at our corporate location where it all started, but also that whole culture and that idea of synergizing has spread into the rest of our organization and franchisees. And what's so cool about that, which even goes even further, is that those franchisees have created the same culture that we've created uh, in developing their own team in their territory that they're operating out of. So to see that mm. uh, repeatable process happening and the synergy that we have, and then the synergy that we have when we all come together with our ideas, um, I really feel that that's what the gutter industry really needs. 
um, and a lot of industries need that in, in construction. It really needs uh, a fresh new look and it needs a paradigm shift. Yeah. And I really think that working, I think we as human beings have been meant to work together and uh, working together as teams and teams of people uh, to achieve things. And I think you can achieve way more working together than you can by yourself. Um, oh by yourself, uh, you know, self, you know, yourself, you know, <laughs> selfishness, you know, what is really, you know, behind that? What are the thoughts? And maybe there's a paradigm that has to shift in your thoughts there about yeah. how you, your worldview is on that. Good. But synergy is something that I love and is one of the most important things I believe to success in any business is to believing that, you know what, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, yeah. but you know what I do know is that I'm going to find the people that are smarter than me to be a part of my team in certain areas of business, because there's That's no great. way that I can be. So yeah. I really feel that that for me is what he's talking about here is that you know, rising tides, raise all ships, uh, more brains are better than one. There's so many different quotes and things that run through my head uh, that you can talk about here. But, you know, everybody has their own behaviors, their own personalities, their own skill sets and, and talents that they bring. Yeah. And that's what makes, I don't know, that's what I love. I love the most about business is that. Yeah. No, that's great. And um, I was just thinking about um, how if, if, if whatever your goals are, if you can achieve them by yourself, then they're not big enough because any, any goal worth attaining needs other people. So whatever your goals are, whether in business or personal, if you can do it yourself, then I don't think it's nearly big enough. You have to have goals that are bigger than you. Um, just a side note there. So last habit. And I, I, I love this and um, sharpening the saw focus on the continuation of growth and improvement. And, um, you know, it's always, it's important to always continue to improve and grow. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's this like, so when it comes to sharpening the saw, um, there's a couple famous quotes out there. The one that quickly pops to mind for me is give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the ax. Abraham, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln, right? Yep. And that's basically, you know, if like if if you've ever tried to chop down a tree with a dull ax or use a dull chainsaw, it's insane how much longer and more effort it takes. Um like a, like a brand new pair of scissors that just goes shoop, right through it versus the old kind that's not even you know connected together at the center anymore. Um it's just so important to sharpen the ax and i think what's really cool between me and kenny kenny's the one that would go into the shed you know you can correct me if i'm over exaggerating he'd grab the ax and start hitting the tree immediately and i'm the one that would spend the, sh the first five and a half hours sharpening the ax and not have enough time to actually chop down the tree um where i'll spend too much time overthinking things and ken just ready to go and do and conquer and I think him and I as a team, you know, we, we end up in a really good spot. Um, but I like that. We have to sharpen the ax. We have to be better people, invest in ourselves, invest in our team. If we're going to accomplish anything like chopping down a tree, it's way easier with a nicely sharpened blade, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then here's the other one. I think the quote right from the book is, we must never become too busy sawing to take time to sharpen the saw. And I believe that's where most of us end up in our business and in our personal life. What, 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 what does that make you think of that quote? Oh man. Um, we must never become too busy sawing to take time to sharpen the saw. Well, that's what it was when, I mean, back when I think back to when it was just me on a truck, um, there wasn't a lot of time after I was out there doing everything that I had to do. There wasn't a, a lot of time to sit there and sharpen the rest of it. Um, mm -hmm. After you clean out your truck, after a day's worth of work and do estimates in between jobs and you're running like a chicken with your head cut off. Um, now you're going back to the office, office 
and now you're making phone calls and trying to schedule work for the next day or the next week. Phone calls are coming in. I mean, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, insane. Even specifically, I mean, the, the amount of time it took us to implement a CRM into our business, if, if we, were, we were too busy, we were doing jobs. It wasn't like we were sitting around twiddling our thumbs. We had so much work to do, but we knew we had to take time to implement a CRM and move people off of the paper into that. So it would have been easy to say, I'm too busy for that kind of stuff. I don't have time and keep using whatever, a business card or a little carbon copy, but eventually doing that. So I would say the only reason that we are where we are is because, you know, from time to time, we take the time to sharpen the saw to get a little bit better. It takes time to read books, you know, you have to take the time, but that's sharpening the saw, going to a conference, sharpening the saw, having a meeting with your team is sharpening the saw. Um, these are all things that are important and urgent. All the things that we talked about early on in the podcast, you have to focus on those items if you want to get anywhere. Um, love it. Yeah. And, you know, think about how you spend your time. Um, every second of your day, once the time is gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. You know, and if you're stuck out on a truck and you're wearing all the hats, then maybe while you're doing the job, have a, have a headset on where you can be listening to books on Audible that can teach you, okay, how do I get to the next step in my business? Mm. Um, you know, what are the next steps? Uh, maybe you're not that great at recruiting or, or interviewing. You know, there's books, there's things out there that you could be listening to. There's podcasts that, like these that we've been putting out that you could be listening to that can get you to the next level in your business. Um, but, you know, how you're spending your time and prioritizing your time is going to be super important to, uh, you know, how fast that saw gets sharpened, you know. And the, the faster that you could change and adapt is really going to be uh, determined on how, how good you get at sharpening your saw. Mm. And, and, and then also when you get people on your team too, it's being able to transfer that same kind of thought process and philosophies into them. Um, or maybe they have those qualities to begin with but cultivating those qualities in there so that you have a bunch of people. Imagine a bunch of people that are sharpening their saw too, that are on your team, how much faster you can get the trees chopped down in your business that are in your way. That's and awesome. that's, that's it right there. So, you know, good. Yeah. There's only so many trees you could chop down as, as one person. I love that. Thinking about all of our people in the woods cutting down these trees. That's my um, don't worry. We're going to use them. They'll be recycled properly and we're going to plant new ones. Um, but yes, um, I love it. So, you know, as we wind down here, I, I kind of just want to hop over to uh, the difference between a manager and a leader management and leadership. Uh, I, I know a lot of people talk about that or, or think about that. And because you're, you might be a manager, you think you're a leader because you're a leader, you might think you're a manager, but I really don't think the two are, are very similar. Um, you know, Ken, what are your thoughts on, you know, how does good management differ than from like good leadership? Well, managers are managing according to a, a certain protocol or system that's in place. So they're making sure that those things are being done right. You know, whether it's in the field, maybe you have a field supervisor or maybe you are the field supervisor, you know, you're managing those people to go out, do the work and do it right. Do, do quality, do it on time, uh, those kinds of things where a leader is making sure that people are doing the right thing. Uh, and that's different. Uh, hmm. Doing the right thing um, is, is maybe how you treat uh, and the, uh, each other <laughs> on the cruise. Yeah. And the type of culture that you have is going to come down from your leadership. It's not, uh, otherwise your employees will develop a culture <laughs> themselves. Yeah. If you don't. And that can be very dangerous. Um, yeah. We've been there, done that. Um, so the leader has to make sure that things are being done, uh, do, doing that people are doing the right things. And the way that you do that is you first have to be the example to the rest of the people. Mm -hmm. And you have to be such an example that they hire you in such high regard and respect that they want to emulate the type of leader that you are when they're out there doing what they do, whether yep. it's in sales, whether it's in your marketing, uh, whether it's in the field, whatever it is aspect of your business that you have um you have to uh, you know john maxwell has a great quote a leader a leader uh knows the way goes the way and shows the way and i yeah. think that sums it up perfectly awesome love that 
you know, and I, I saw something out there. It said leaders have followers and managers have people that work for them. That's and I thought that was great, you yeah. know, and I, and I think you can have both. You could definitely have, you know, be a manager. Um, but there's a lot of questions of like, you know, can leadership be taught? Um, what comes first? Um, good manager or good leader? Uh, do you think there's an order? Um, no, I don't. I don't think that there's, uh, and I think because I, I believe in it, that anybody can become a leader. I wasn't always a leader when it came to business. That's for sure. Um, mm -hmm. and I certainly learned how to become a leader in business, but it really depends on back to the beginning was what are you, uh, being proactive about? And if, if being a great leader is something that you want to be because you want to have a great business, then start doing, start sharpening the ax on leadership and start hanging around with people that are great leaders, start yeah. associating with people that have great businesses that have a lot of people following them and, and read books about people that have done it. Um, and that, and it'll happen. Um, but you're, yeah. you, you have to have those internal changes happen within yourself first before you can start having the external results. Yeah. And what I think the problem is in today's society is that everybody's used to just clicking a button or, you know, looking on their phone and, expecting immediate results and there is no quick you know get rich quick thing out there that is going to work when it comes to to, to to this except for really how fast you can change and adapt yourself uh, yeah. to becoming the leader that you're meant to be or the manager that you're meant to be but you know everybody that's a great manager in my opinion is a great leader yeah no that's great i mean yeah i mean i don't know i i, I can kind of I've seen some people that can manage things really well. You know, they've got the hours down pat, they've got everyone, you know, but at the end of the day, it, it, it might just be transactional. They come in, they do their job, they leave. Um, if something were to go wrong, they would not follow that leader. They wouldn't leave their job. If that leader, if that manager left and went somewhere else, they'd all stay where they are. You know, a good manager who's also a leader, those are the types of people that, you know, they're like, when they go out on their own or they move jobs, everyone wants to go with them. And I think there, you know, it, it's, I think it's a little hard to distinguish and, and when that, that, that turns the corner, but, you know, and then they talk about natural born leaders and you see it. And I, and I, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's already studies out there and someone will, you know, say something contrary, but man, when you see little kids and they get together, I've got five kids. So I've seen this all the time. There's certain kids that emerge as the leader that when five, six, seven of them get together, they're like, hey, this is what we're doing. We're going to go in the woods and they sell it and everyone follows them and they do what they want to do and they look up to them as the cool kid. I don't know how they figure it out so young, but they do. So I do think there are some, some, some traits, some, some traits that some people either have or can be learned. I don't know if you can teach it because teaching is one thing and learning is a different, but some of the well, traits, go ahead. You can't, you can't. You can't teach it if somebody doesn't want it. Exactly. You know? Like so anything. Like what you're saying about the kids, the kid that is the natural leader out there, there's somebody that might want it. And that, that might be an example of somebody in our business that's, that wants it. You can tell that they're, you know, don't worry about this. I'll take care of the schedule. Just, just show me what I need to do. Or you can see that there's a hunger about them that, mm -hmm. that they want to uh, do more right? They're not the type of person that just is coming in, like you said earlier, nine to five, they're punching in the clock. They do a great job. There's nothing, they're, they're good at managing what they have and what their job description entails. Um, but the person who is a leader is the one who's going to be hungry for more and wants to really rip the responsibility out of you as being their leader to, because they want to take it over and they want to create opportunity for themselves. And us being good leaders, need to recognize that we need to recognize yeah. it and cultivate it. And that's uh, where, you know, you can start being able to, to sow those uh, seeds of leadership into somebody to develop them into the leader that they want to be. But it's something that somebody has to want. Not yeah. everybody wants it. No, I agree. So I wrote down some traits of leaders. So if you're listening to this, um, do you have it? Is this something that you have? And if you don't, this is what you need. If you want to become a leader, so you need vision, vision. And that's one of the things that Ken has in abundance, like scary vision for me, because I'm more of an implementer. He's a visionary. So whatever his vision is, I have to figure out how to implement. So, but it's great. Ken can see far. 
and he sees things in the distance that most people can't picture. So a, a natural or, or a leadership quality is vision. The other one is drive. You know, some people can say, yeah, I'd like to do this someday, but you need the actual drive to go do it. It's one thing, you know, saying, oh, I'd love to be an inventor. That'd be great to just think of things all day. Well, then go freaking do it. You know, you need to have some drive behind your vision and passion. That's like, Ken and I, that's our favorite. If we can find that in somebody, especially like in an interview process, and you can see the passion, uh, somebody who's looking to buy a franchise and they have the passion because they don't have to be the best at gutters. They don't even have to have any business experience. But if you've got passion, drive, and vision, nothing is going to stop you. That's it. Nothing is going to stop you. So I love those leadership traits. And uh, with that comes long-term thinkers, somebody who can think ahead. You know, one of the basic tests that we do when hiring is, hey, do you have any vacations planned? If somebody says no, that means they can't even see far enough into the future to have a vacation or a day off. You know, like their, their, their world is very immediate. Um, they're not a leader yet. And it, it's not the only test. Tell me something that's planned. Most people don't have any plans whatsoever. They're going day to day. Um, so long-term thinkers, self-motivated. Gotta, they don't need somebody telling them to get up every morning, go out and get a job. Sorry, you're not going to get anywhere. No one's definitely following you if you've got somebody prodding you all the time to go do something. And like we talked about this whole call, people-centric, right? Like they like people, they're around people. And the last one I wrote, and Ken, feel free to jump off. I just had, I made a list over here. Inspirational. They inspire others to do things. They motivate them. They get other people excited. Oh, I think that's a big part of it right there is that, you know, getting people excited about what you're doing is, uh, and lighting that fire within them. And then they become, uh, they become excited about it. Um, you know, I, I've seen this many times over with people that we've brought into our business. And one that comes to mind is Danny Horbachuk. Yeah. Mean, he was my son's bass teacher and I got to know him over a year, uh, of, of bass lessons. And I'd go in there and, you know, we, I'd watch Hunter do his thing. And, and I could just see that Danny had passion about music and he had passion about, you know, he, he used to race dirt bikes and he became like a champion dirt bike rider in his, like, like when he was 32 years old. I mean, that, I mean, he was too old, you know, usually these guys are younger than that. And it's like, you could tell, like he was the type of guy that would put his mind to something and he would do it and get it done. And it was like, man, I want this guy on my team, you know? Yeah. And I was just waiting and waiting. I was so patient and that's not like me, you know, that. I, I, we had a sales position open and this is a year down the road where I knew I was like, man, I need to get him on my team. And, uh, I presented him with the idea and it was like, he was like, you could tell, like, he was totally not into it at all. Like gutters, <laughs> gutter <you know>? sales, <laughs> gutter sales. Like really people can make a living doing that. I mean, you could just tell. And then you could tell when, when he finally came to the office and he thought it through, and uh, he came to the office and I remember he was wearing like a, a hoodie and he sat down and he just kind of was watching. I was like, man, maybe I was, cause he was like really like not into it. But reserved. Then he was so reserved. I was like, man, maybe I made it. I was like second guessing myself, but I was like, no man, this guy's got it. And then finally, when he started seeing our culture and getting around us, seeing our vision and we were able to show him that uh, he bought in and you know what? now he's not just doing sales, but he's one of those guys that he wanted more. He was hungry. He's a leader and it's just in him. And now he's the sales manager and, and, it, and he's taking over the role of general manager next. I mean, yep. I don't think when he first walked into that office and I asked him that me or Danny would have pictured what could have happened in less than what, four and a half years, maybe not even. Awesome. So, you know, that's just, uh, yeah. One that's awesome leadership, Ken. Yeah. And that's awesome leadership, Ken. Like you have a vision, you spotted something, you, you were able to inspire that person, be people centric around it. Like everything that we just described, you embodied that. And now we have great people, uh, um, and a great person in Danny. And <laughs> something I realized about, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Something I realized about myself a long time ago was I'm not a great manager. 
like, and I don't want to say on the other hand, I'm a great leader, but I realize I'm not a great manager. And it also hit me. I don't have to be a great manager if we get great people. I, you know, you have to be an amazing manager when you have crappy people, when they're doing stupid crap and they're not doing their job, you have to be awesome manager. But, you know, I feel like you and I, um, I, I won't say, I think we were fortunate because we always went after great people and we had our fair share of not so great, but it's amazing how much more you have to manage when you have people that aren't great. And then when you get a great person, you almost don't have to manage. They are self-made, motivated, passionate, and it takes care of themselves. So, you know, I don't think that's advice, but it might be, you know, if you find yourself managing a ton and just always putting out fires and trying to motivate people and write them up, then you need to, you need to maybe just get better people, not become a better manager. Ken's holding up a book called Hiring Talent by Tom Foster. Uh, great book, definitely a game changer in the hiring that's, process. That's all it's about right there. When you look at teams and sports teams and they're, high, they're, they're doing their draft picks and doing all this stuff and jockeying for the person that they want, uh, and that's going to be a good fit. You know, it's not just a money grab of, you know, paying the biggest dollars for the, the talent, but a lot of guys are looking for who's the best guy that's going to also fit in with the rest of the team as well, because that's important too. You know, you yeah. don't want somebody to come in that's going to mess up the, the synergy, right, that you no. have with the rest of the team. So when you're synergizing, you, you, you not just think about hiring talent, but you're thinking about the rest of the team and how is this person going to do and interact with the rest of the people that are part of the team as well. And if they don't, you know, we're going to invite them to leave. No, that's awesome. We could probably do an entire podcast about that, but it comes back to the synergize that you were talking about. A team is stronger than the individual. And I don't care if you have the best player, whether they're a salesperson, whatever. I don't care where they are in your team. If they hurt the team because their culture, they're cancerous, they're backstabber or too, you know, all about them, then you, you make that decision because the team is stronger than the individual. All right. So whether that's a superstar or whether it, it's just an underperforming person, you have to protect that team. So let's just, let's just wrap it up right here. Um, number one takeaway, can you kind of think of one real quick? And I'll, I'll try and pick one too, and then we'll, we'll end it. Oh, there's so many. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd have to stick with, uh, you know, my biggest takeaway from this book, um, there's two. Um, I like the be proactive part. Um, because that's where you have to, you have to start with, you know, the beginning and shifting your paradigm and, and, and getting that down before you can get to the next, uh, the next level in your business, but also synergize. I really believe that if you really want to accomplish something really meaningful in life, uh, it really takes to have meaningful full relationships. And um, I think synergize is uh, where it's at when it comes to this mm. book. I think that's one of the most important things uh, to having success, not just in business, but also in life. I'd say my, my biggest standout is definitely the seek first to understand, then be understood. That is an area I, I continually work on. And I just love the focus on the important, but not urgent. Um, just continually looking at the long-term game that's going to make everything better in the long-term and working on those things. Uh, I, just, I just love those. So. Awesome. All right. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. Maybe grab a copy of this book and, and check it out. And we'd love to hear feedback. Uh, we love getting feedback from you guys uh, on future topics or just, you know, something that really resonated with you. It's always encouraging for us to hear, hear whatever you guys are uh, going through. And uh, hopefully you got a few good nuggets and you can implement them into what you're doing. Thanks for joining us and we hope you implement at least one or two nuggets from this episode that will give you the confidence to grow. Subscribe to our podcast to stay updated and grow with the bros.